Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello all of you wonderful people, Jules here for WhatCulture.com and I get to talk about one of my favourite topics when it comes to the movie industry and that is movie villains. Oh, seriously, you could easily say that a good movie villain makes the film that you are watching. We love to hate those antagonists that get our blood boiling just so rightly. But you know what is no bueno, my friends? It is when you get a bad villain, or even worse, you get a great villain who just doesn't get enough time to shine, which is what we're going to be focusing on today. Because these were great forces of evil or corruption or just downright nastiness who we just didn't get to see enough of. So with this in mind, I'm Jules, this is WhatCulture.com, and these are 10 movie villains you wish got more screen time. Number 10. The Director. The Cabin in the Woods. The Cabin in the Woods is a 2011 comedy horror straight from the mind of Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard. In the grisly gore-fest, five college friends, including a pre-Thor Chris Hemsworth, arrive in the titular cabin only to find their getaway ruined by ravenous zombies. God, what are they like? One by one, the small group is killed until only two remain. But in a strange, ingenious twist, the pair of survivors figure out that everything that they've been experiencing has been controlled by scientists in an underground lab. They also learn that their friends' deaths have been used as sacrifices to appease the Ancient Ones, a collection of all-powerful gods who demand human blood to be appeased. All of this is revealed to the survivors by the head of the lab and mastermind of the sacrifices, aka the director, played by Sigourney Weaver. The director is cold, smartly dressed, and intimidating, and with her brief role being executed by none other than Ellen Blood Ripley, she really was a joy to see despite her evil intentions. Unfortunately, she's killed in the final moments of the film where the pair agreed to let the world end. In her death, the director is left with no background, no real characterization, and no defining characteristics other than the fact that she is, well, you know, Sigourney Weaver. It's a shame because there was clearly a lot more going on with the character than what audiences got to see. Nevertheless, it's still a perfect film. Number 9. Count Dooku Star Wars Attack of the Clones Slash Revenge of the Sith Whenever you thought about the Star Wars prequels, there can be no denying that Count Dooku was seriously cool. Played by the legendary Sir Christopher Lee, the Sith Lord towered over everyone else in the room, dispatched both Anakin and Obi-Wan with relative ease, and was set up to be a serious threat. All told, though, Dooku only really appears in the final act of Attack of the Clones, where he duels with Anakin and Obi-Wan, and then wriggles his way out of a fight with his former master Yoda. 
but he survived his first appearance, hammering home the fact that he'd be back to cause more havoc in the next film. But when he did, he just got one scene. And here he's just taken down in the first act and rather easily at that. Now, it is clear that Dooku's death was more about Anakin slowly giving in to his darker impulses and being manipulated by Palpatine, but to have such a thrilling villain cast aside after mere minutes of screen time was quite a poor move in a trilogy. Well, pretty poor moves. Number 8. Tigris of Gaul Gladiator So power-hungry Commodus, played by Joaquin Phoenix, may be the big villain of Gladiator, but when it comes to taking on Maximus face-to-face, there was no better bad guy than the undefeated warrior Tigris of Gaul, played by stuntman and bodybuilder Sven Ole Thorsen. The true joy of Tigris is that he's not only a major obstacle that Maximus must face, but a deep and almost unbeatable brute. He lives to fight, he loves it, and he's good at it. Called back into the fray after his retirement to take down Maximus once and for all, all the former warrior can do is say yes and do what he's done all of his life. The fight itself is an epic and violent spectacle, complete with ravenous tigers and an audience begging to see the blood be spilled. In the end, though, Maximus wounds him and turns to the Emperor to see whether he should put the retired fighter down. Refusing the order, Tigris looks genuinely relieved, and whilst the whole sequence lets the audience know just how good and moral that Maximus is, we don't see any more of this beast from Gaul for the rest of the movie. It would have been nice to see the big guy stick around, especially since he was such a famed warrior and could have even pitched in a little to help, because after all, a little backstory and characterization never hurt anyone. Number 7. Hannibal Lecter, The Silence of the Lambs Anthony Hopkins' performance as cannibalistic serial killer Hannibal Lecter is the stuff of cinema legend. Lecter has become so ingrained in moviegoers' minds as the face of unadulterated evil, it's a wonder to think that he's actually only on screen for 16 minutes of a 2-hour and 20-minute long movie in which he first appeared. Lecter himself isn't actually the main villain of The Silence of the Lambs, as that honour goes to the horrifying Buffalo Bill, but there's no question that the Doctor is what people remember about this film. On the DVD commentary for the film, director Jonathan Demme went on record to say that he wished he included more about Lecter's past in the movie, and regrets not giving Hopkins more screen time. This would have been an interesting narrative decision, allowing audiences to understand the killer more thoroughly as the film played out. Plus, Hopkins is so good in the role, I don't think anyone would have complained if he stuck around for a bit longer. Number 6. Apocalypse. X-Men Apocalypse. While the time-bending X-Men Days of Future Past proved to be a hit with the critics and audiences alike, the 2016 sequel ended up leaving a bit of a sour taste in most people's mouths. Criticised for its predictability, stale plot, and overindulgence in poor CGI, X-Men Apocalypse should have been one of the franchise's best installments, but unfortunately was not. And it should have been great seeing as it was bringing in Apocalypse, an iconic and fan-favourite comic book movie villain, and it was one of Marvel's strongest adversaries. Unfortunately, Oscar Isaac's portrayal trail of the character fell painfully flat throughout his limited and uninteresting screen time. The whole spectacle was made all the more disappointing by Simon Kinberg's script, which somehow managed to be both safe and convoluted at the same time. If Brian Singer and Simon Kinberg were really interested in making a fun and fresh X-Men adventure, they'd have made its villain much more three-dimensional and given him more time to show audiences what he was made of. Number 5. Justin Hammer, Iron Man 2 So, Iron Man 2 was a messy film. That cannot be denied. With far too many subplots, from Tony Stark being poisoned by his own arc reactor, to the introduction of Black Widow, to Rhodes' feud with his best friend, to the many villains conspiring to take him down, the film just ended up as being completely incoherent at the worst of times. Outside of Robert Downey Jr.'s always dependable screen presence, the best thing about the film was Sam Rockwell's turn as rival weapons manufacturer Justin Hammer. 
Hammer was a blast every single second that he was on screen. He was funny, he had a fragile ego, and he had a dark edge to him that made him unpredictable and dangerous. Unfortunately, he barely gets any time to shine. Beginning the movie as Iron Man's new threat, he quickly ends up being sidelined by Whiplash, who, whilst being a threatening villain, was nowhere near as entertaining or compelling as his smarmy co-conspirator. He appears briefly in the Marvel one-shot All Hail the King, but other than that, Hammer has vanished from the MCU and is tragically unlikely ever to return to the screen. Number 4. Wild Bill, The Green Mile Another Sam Rockwell role, Wild Bill Wharton was The Green Mile's most pivotal and criminally underseen player. For what it's worth, the Stephen King adaptation is a near-perfect movie, full to bursting with impeccable characters, emotional beats, and truly shocking twists. Everyone remembers John Coffey telling Tom Hanks how to spell his name and his tragic, needless death, but few talk about Wild Bill. Bill is barely in the film. When he is, he's portrayed as a psychologically disturbed, violent individual without any remorse for his crimes. After his death, Coffey reveals to Paul that the murder that he is being executed for was actually perpetrated by Wild Bill. It's an emotionally harsh reveal, as Bill is now dead and there is no way of proving Coffey's innocence, but it makes you wonder why the film doesn't focus slightly more on Wild Bill. As horrid and inexcusably evil as he was, Rockwell made him a blast to watch, and it's clear on rewatches that the reveal would have been much more affecting had audiences got to know the real killer a little bit more. Number 3. Captain Phasma, the Star Wars sequel trilogy Much like the prequel trilogy, the Star Wars sequels suffer from a slight villain issue. Kylo Ren was compelling but maddeningly inconsistent, General Hux showed promise but was just cast aside, and Supreme Leader Snoke was, well, done with very quickly. But the most misjudged use of a villain comes in the form of Captain Phasma. Played by Game of Thrones' own Gwendolyn Christine, Phasma burst into the sequel trilogy as a formidable warrior and leader, completely committed to the First Order. But as quickly as she is made into a fun new villain, with badass armor and a feud with fan-favorite Finn to boot, she's tossed aside during The Last Jedi, killed in an anticlimactic fashion with no background, no characterization, and no major character arc. This is one of The Last Jedi's biggest misfires, and a key example of character assassination with no real reason. Phasma was full of possibility, but the film just wasn't ready to give her that chance, which is a complete and utter shame. Number 2. Richie Cusack, A History of Violence David Cronenberg's 2005 drama A History of Violence is an absolute masterclass of tension, mystery, and character. It focuses on Tom, a diner owner with a comfortable family life who becomes a local hero after he thwarts a robbery, but his newfound fame throws his life into turmoil when a gangster comes to town claiming that Tom is actually a hitman called Joey Cusack. As he confronts his past, Tom meets up with his brother Richie, who wants him to return to his old and more violent life. Played by William Hurt, Richie is a charismatic, cruel, and charming man, but only appears in the film for less than 10 minutes. The fact that Hurt was nominated for an Oscar for such a short appearance speaks volumes about how much potential this character had. And maybe instead of focusing on Harris's gangster, more time could have been spent exploring the much more interesting mob boss. And number one, Norman Stansfield, Leon the Professional. Released in 1994, Leon the Professional is an all-time classic. Thrilling, simple, dramatic, and violent. It remains one of the best movies of the 90s and the film which saw Natalie Portman become the Oscar-winning star that she is today. But as amazing as Portman and Jean Reno are in this film, there is no character who comes close to Gary Oldman's 
performance chilling, insane DEA agent Norman Stansfield. Whilst the film is remembered as a touching and dark story about a hitman and his protege, as soon as Stanfield comes onto the scene, it becomes his show. He is charismatic, unhinged, violent, obsessed, and creepy, and yet he's barely around. It may be one of Oldman's greatest performance, and given how iconic he made the character, it is fair to say that he could have stuck around for a lot longer and no one would have complained. In fact, it might have even made a great film even better. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.